Greetings once again in the name of our risen Lord Jesus Christ. I really do appreciate very much the spirit of this congregation. You would imagine that we find ourselves in a lot of different churches across USA and Canada. And you know, when you walk into a place, at least when we do, we can sense something. We talk about it often. You can sense something of the spirit, the ethos, the, the attitude, the, the posture of a place. And uh, we have sensed in you not only your warmth of hospitality, but your sensitivity to the spirit. And I know that's uh, in large part a reflection of the good pastoral leadership that you have here for which you should give thanks to God. <laughs> uh, but, and thank you so much for those testimonies. They meant a lot to me. As, you were, as I was hearing your testimonies, I just felt the Spirit prompt me to say this simple thing. It's important for all of us to remember that there is a very critical difference in distinction between the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the accusation of the evil one. The accusation of the evil one can be discerned because it carries with it shame, guilt that doesn't really attach to us, <laughs> uh, self-doubt, depression. But the conviction of the Spirit will always carry with it hope, peace, and love. Even when it's a hard word. Even when it's a word of discipline. That's not necessarily easy to hear. It never leads us to despair. The work of the Spirit never leads us to despair. So that's the way to always keep track because I know how easy it is, I'll just say for me, because I'm just a hypersensitive kind of person. I would just, God made me that way. I can't tell you how many times I told God I wish he hadn't made me that way. <laughs> but, it, but one of my temptations in my own spiritual journey can be to take upon myself burdens that don't belong to me. Voices of accusation that don't belong to me. My accountability partner of 27 years, <laughs> We meet together every Friday morning of the world. We'll be together this Friday. Sit across the table from one another and just stick our noses in each other's business. And uh, one, of his, one of his constant prayers for me has been just that. He's, and I'm so thankful for it. He just, almost every week he'll pray something like, Lord, please, because he knows me. And he'll pray, Lord, help Jaron not take upon himself any greater burden than what you have called him to bear. I'm thankful for that prayer. <laughs> That's good. So in all of this, as we're giving ourselves to the work of the Spirit among us in this spiritual deepening time, and you're doing that with such open hearts and such humble hearts, I think it, it's helpful uh, for me, hopefully for us, to just be mindful of that important distinction between the blessed conviction of the Holy Spirit as opposed to anything that the enemy would do to accuse us. 
And in fact, it made me think of, this isn't the text for tonight, but it just, I, I marked it just a moment ago because it made me think of one of my favorite passages and just, just a couple verses in Hebrews chapter 12 that says, God's discipline is always right and good because it means that we're going to share in his holiness. <laughs> and so the instruction is when the discipline comes, here's what the writer of the Hebrews says. So take a new grip with your tired hands and stand firm on your shaky legs <laughs> And mark out a straight path for your feet. Amen? That's good, huh? So we'll grab onto that as we continue to uh, submit ourselves to the work of the Spirit among us as he speaks to us through his word. To that end, I invite you to turn with me to Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That's where we're going to focus our Time together tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we'll begin the reading in a moment with verse 6. We're thinking, of course, together about this idea of the life we were meant to live, simply trying to think biblically about the implications of the gospel for our everyday lives. And the question is, how do we live up to this calling? How do we live into this calling. And there's really no big secret answer to this because as we've already seen, everything we need to know has been revealed to us in God's word. And when I say God's word, what I first mean by that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then this beautiful gift of the Holy Scripture gives us access to the life and teaching of the Lord Jesus. And so it, just, just let, me, let me do a quick little, you know, how they do when uh, there's a series on TV or something, and they'll say, in previous episodes, this, <laughs> so I'll just, just real fast. Uh, so it begins with the truth that we saw in Jesus' illustration of the vine and the branches. Nancy alluded to that just a moment ago. That, that you'll only really find your real sense of purpose in life when you can finally let go of all the ways this world offers to us to try and find meaningful life and turn our life fully in God's direction, be fully connected to him. And then another important piece comes in Paul's advice to the Roman church that we heard when he warned them not to exchange the truth of God for the lies of the culture that are coming at us every day. And then uh, last night we eavesdropped on the conversation between Jesus and his disciples about what it really means when we call Jesus Christ. And we heard there Jesus declare really the mystery of the gospel, that the idea that, you know, if you try to secure your own life, you're just going to end up losing it. And, and the way to life in the kingdom of God is to lay it down and surrender all out of love for others. Well, now, tonight, we're going to turn to this opening section of Paul's first letter uh, to the Corinthian church, a church filled with believers who were struggling, <laughs> truly to reflect the character of Jesus in their lives. And so it comes up in several different issues that Paul's trying to talk about. Here, Paul's talking about how it is we know what that truth is. And it has to do with how the Lord Jesus quite, quite literally wants to change our minds and lift our thinking from worldly values to heavenly ones. So, with that background, tonight's episode, <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse 6, I do invite you as you're able to stand with me as we hear together the word of the Lord. 
Now, when I'm among mature Christians, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world and not the, ki- not the kind that appeals to the rulers of this world who are being brought to nothing. No, the wisdom we speak of is the secret wisdom of God, which was hidden in former times though he made it for our benefit before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would never have crucified our glorious Lord. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But we know these things because God has revealed them to us by his spirit and the spirit searches out everything and shows us even God's deep secrets. No one can know what anyone else is really thinking except that person alone. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit And yet, here it is, God has actually given us his spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. So when we tell you this, we do not use words of human wisdom. We speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't Christians can't understand these truths from God's spirit. It sounds foolish to them because only those who have the spirit can understand what the spirit means. So we who have the spirit understand these things, but others can't understand us at all. How could they? For who can know what the Lord is thinking? Who can give him counsel? But we We can understand these things because, hold on, we have the mind of Christ. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Wow. But we have the mind of Christ. What's your reaction to that statement? I, I have to admit that sometimes when I hear that verse, my first reaction is, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> because the mind of Christ must be perfect. The mind of Christ is holy, full of love, totally at peace. I don't know, does that describe me? Does that describe you? What in the world can Paul mean by this? We do know that the human mind is a mysterious, wonderful, powerful thing. We are fearfully, wonderfully made. And we also know from our own experience and from observation that the possession of this amazing computer between our ears certainly does direct how we live. There is no doubt that how we think significantly significantly impacts even our physical health. There is a huge connection. 
which is why there's so much concern today over various diseases of the mind that can harm us, as well there should be. One study proclaimed that today one out of every four Americans is suffering from some form of mental illness. So think about your three best friends. If they're okay, That's silly, I'm sorry. <laughs> the mystery of this human mind of ours is what prompted one of my favorite authors, Calvin Miller, to pen this little ode to the mind that I'd share with you. Gray, wrinkled, three-pound thing, I clearly see that I cannot trap you with an EEG, you nervy organ, you, skull-cased and free. A brazen challenge to psychiatry. Soft mass, I cannot help resenting you each time they search and probe for my IQ. Half of Einstein's lobe was twice of you, you joyless megavolt computer shoe. Be careful, Judas organ, or you'll find God cauterizes every rebel mind. You small gray lump, you always seethe and grind. Spin small electric currents, thinking blind. Yet, you're the only shabby place I see that his great mind may come to dwell in me. The language of our religion is typically a language of the heart. I mean, that's usually how we talk about this, isn't it? And rightly so, because the essence of God's relationship with us is love. So it makes sense that we would use that kind of language, language of the heart. But I think Calvin Miller's on to something here, something important in his recognition that somehow in the mysterious mix of what makes me a human being, it's my mind. That really is the arena in which God is significantly revealed to us. Yes, God revealed himself to us in human body. Most missed the point. Paul says here in the text we read, they didn't get it. If they had, if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory in verse 8. But now, with the death and resurrection of this God, man, the Spirit has been given to reveal more fully than ever before not only who God is, but also what he has freely given to us. That's what he's talking about in verse 12. Now, in these letters that we're poking into a little bit, these letters to the Corinthian church, you probably know Paul's dealing with some very practical, earthy kind of issues in their spiritual health. But he wants to do that work on the foundation of the truth that is our text for this evening. Why? Well, the Apostle Paul, I think, regularly witnessed, well, he did. He, he, he regularly witnessed the miracle of people coming to faith in Christ, experiencing forgiveness and new life and all of that. But I think he noticed what you and I have also noticed. Far too often, that new life we're talking about somehow gets short-circuited, goes off the rails, gets sidetracked. 
We hear the wonderful things that the Bible promises to us as followers of Jesus, as Christians, but too often, as we've alluded to already in these services, way too often they they seem to elude our grasp. Maybe that's even your experience. The question is, does it have to be that way? Is is this just kind of how it is, trying to live the Christian life this side of heaven? Is the struggle just something we're just always going to have to put up with, you know, just grasping, trying to follow Jesus. Is that what we're assigned to? I believe that what Paul's trying to say to these first Christians and to us is there is a way to truly live the life of Jesus here and now. We, we can actually live the life of Jesus now. Don't look at me that way. (laughs) I'm not just making this up. I think this is coming from this text. It has everything to do with whether or not our minds have been captivated by the mind of Christ. That's the whole point. And I know the important question gets to be, how in the world could that ever happen? What's that really mean? There are a number of ways we could approach a response to that or an answer to that question. But tonight, I simply want to allow Scripture to speak to this amazing claim of verse 16 that we have the mind of Christ. So let's bring in some other texts. In Paul's letter to the Romans, Paul tells them that we access the mind of Christ through offering to God our whole selves as living sacrifices. He says it very practically. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Or or the way this translation uh, that I have with me says it, uh, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Sounds to me like there is some kind of decision involved over which I have some power. Will I align my thoughts, my beliefs, with the messages that are coming to me from this world? Is that how I'm going to organize and align my life? Or will I align my thoughts my belief, and thus my actions with what God says is true. Let me give you an example. I have presided over a number of weddings as a pastor. I've come to prefer funerals. (laughs) I'm just far more confident funerals are in God's will. I'm kidding, stop it. Weddings are great. They're great. They, they are. But, but I tell you, I also, I, I, I've come to experience them with something of a heavy heart. And it's because so many people, even Christian people within the life of the church, have clearly aligned their thinking about marriage with what the world says instead of with what God says. The world says to us, you ought to be happy. And you ought to do whatever it takes to be happy. 
God says, you ought to lay down your life in service to another. That's a whole different way of going about things. And then we wonder why our marriages aren't working any better than they are when we're all just running around trying to guard our own happiness rather than figuring out how we can serve one another. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to describe what that mind looks like, that he humbled himself. He poured out his life in love. He became a servant. He didn't grasp on to his God privilege, but poured it out for our sakes and the sake of the whole world. Apparently, having the mind of Christ involves not only what goes on up here between my ears, it somehow also starts to involve what I do with my hands and my feet and my mouth or my thumbs toward others. And the idea of this, how we might possess the mind of Christ, it's not just in Paul, it's throughout the scriptures. In his final words to the disciples, just past, this, just past the section we were in on Sunday morning, Jesus says, everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Really? Wow. And he goes on then to describe in the next chapter of the Gospel of John, chapter 16, how exactly that happens. And Jesus talks to them about the fact, as we've been talking, that the Holy Spirit is going to come in a whole new way. And then he says, when the Spirit of truth comes, here's what he'll do. He will guide you into all truth. It's John 16, 13. You ought to read John 16 again sometime. He will, he goes, Jesus goes on to say, he will take from what is mine and he'll make it known to you. See, it's clear to me that the life you were meant to live is a life where the very spirit of Christ himself lives in you and changes you, shapes, reveals, guides, makes you think differently than you could ever think without him. This is what Paul's talking about, I'm convinced, in our text for tonight. When he contrasts human wisdom with spiritual wisdom. Human wisdom says, oh, no way. Forget this idea that you can have the mind of Christ. That's just so much hubris. It's silliness. You can't, that's ridiculous. Because Christ is God and you are not. Human wisdom. But Paul says there's a spiritual wisdom, and the spiritual wisdom is able to see that what God is offering to us is way more than our own capacity. He's offering a gift, a gift of grace, not only the chance to be forgiven and healed, but also the chance to be made new. Keep all those together. In Christ we are forgiven, yes, praise the Lord. We are healed, thanks be to God. But that's not the end of it. It's not the end of it. We don't then just punch our ticket and wait to be beamed up to heaven. We are being made new. 
being renewed ever and ever in the image of Christ Jesus. How does that newness really happen? Right here. In how we think. In our graced, and, and again, as I said a couple times already, this is, don't, please don't mishear this. This is all by grace. It's all the gift of God. We don't have capacity in and of ourselves to do this. It's all the grace of God enabling us and helping us. It's, his, it's, it's graced ability to align our minds and therefore our whole lives with the truth of God's word. Now I just want to share with you that I'm not just talking to you. I hope you know, would know this. I'm not just talking to you tonight out of my own, just out of my study of these texts. I'm testifying to you out of my own real experience because I know what it is to battle in the area of my mind. I know the experience of allowing my thinking to get more aligned with the world than with what the truth of God is. And consequently, I have known what it is to allow my heart to be overtaken with fear. Fear about who I am and what I'm doing and where I'm headed and whether or not God even likes me or wants anything to do with me and fear about whether or not my life is even having any kind of impact on others and does it even matter, does any of this matter? You hear the jumble of what goes on in fear? And God has shown me along the way that when this happens, it's very often, at least in part, because I've become drained spiritually, become depleted, even physically. And I, and I, I also believe that in those moments, and I'm thinking especially about one of, the, one of my, one of my, the, darkest valleys I've ever known when one day I quite literally couldn't even get out of bed. I was supposed to get on an airplane and go somewhere else and I couldn't move. And I was terrified, racked with fear, disability. Didn't know what to do, where to turn. Thankfully, my dear wife sprang into action and began to make things happen. One of those was to go see my physician who said, well, no wonder <laughs> he was much kinder than that. But when he asked me the questions even about my physical health, he said, don't you understand the connection here? And I began then, and that's been 16 years ago, <laughs> to put into motion some disciplines that continue to this day that have profoundly helped me in that regard. But it's not just mental, it's not just uh, physical. I also believe in those moments there can be an Ephesians 6 kind of battle going on. But I also want to testify to the power of God to deliver me from struggle to victory. And the way that often happens for me is through a realignment of my thoughts, my mind, with the truth of what God says. In my darkest days in that period, one of the things that I would do is just when, whenever the darkness would threaten to kind of overtake 
I would literally just keep quoting Romans 12 too. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. And I would just pray, oh God, renew my mind. Renew my mind. Transform how I think. Let me just, since I mentioned Ephesians 6, let me give you another little tool that I've used at different times that might be helpful to some of you. When you find yourself in that place of struggle and a struggle that you discern, I mean, it could, so when you find yourself in the place of struggle, because part of it is mental and and emotional, that requires the presence of another who can care for you, who can guide you, someone you trust, who can begin to pray over you and mentor you. And for me, it was Starla and my two sisters who are the prayer warriors of my life. You know, they, they have prayed me through life <laughs> and uh, continue to do so, so I turn to them. On the physical side, you, you, when, you're under, uh, when you're in this place of battle, the most, sometimes the most holy thing you could do is go see your doctor and, and get some things fixed physically, get some disciplines in right. By the way, Get a good doctor because the last thing my doctor did for me that day was he took my hand and Starless hand and said, let's pray. <laughs> but anyway, uh, one of the things I learned on the spiritual side in terms of the, the reality, the reality that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers, the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realms. That's a reality that Jesus took seriously, so I take it seriously. And I don't mean see a demon behind every rock kind of a way, but just taking seriously the reality of the enemy of our souls. And so one of the ways to battle that is I've just literally prayed the armor of God around me. You ever done that? Just, just to pray, I just went through it out, Lord, Lord, I receive the helmet of truth to protect my mind. I receive the breastplate of righteousness to protect my heart. Lord, I I receive the shield of faith to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. I receive the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I receive the belt of truth that holds it all together in place. It's Ephesians 6. And I'm telling you the truth, as I simply prayed that and said those things out loud to realign my thinking, the cloud lifted and I've experienced it more than once. And I felt, as we talked last night, the fresh wind of the Spirit begin to blow through my heart and begin to see the way out of the darkness. Loved ones, I'm just trying to say to us on the authority of God's word, we have the mind of Christ. What a resource. What a treasure. What a gift. What could ever threaten us when we have been given and are being given by the power of the Holy Spirit the very mind of Christ? And not only are we given that individually in our own walk with the Lord Jesus, there's a way in which we can be given that as the people of God, as a congregation of faithful ones 
who not only align ourselves with the truth of God in our own personal lives, but we choose to align ourselves with the truth of God in how we do life together. And I'm telling you, that's what this world is hungry to see. They don't know how to name it. But they're hungry to see what it would look like for a group of folk like you to live together and get on together in such a way that they would have to say, only God could do that. I think that's what Jesus prayed for us when he prayed, Lord, may they be so unified, so one, so unified in their love that the world will know. This is the way to live the life you were meant to live. Let the mind of Christ dwell in you. And I know I'm probably starting to sound like a broken record to you on this, but the way to do it is to totally surrender your life to God. Nothing held back. Nothing holding on. Stop thinking like this world thinks. Which means, well, it's got a lot of implications. Part of it might be, just be careful about what you're letting come in there. You just, you just don't have to take it all in. Let Christ change your thinking Stop filling your mind with the messages of this world. Fill your mind with the word of God. You see, the reason that the Spirit of Christ could use Scripture to calm my troubled mind is because through the discipline of reading God's word, I had put it in there so he could use it in the moment I needed it. And I'm convinced that many of us could experience amazing transformation in our lives if we would simply fill our mind with the word of God on a daily basis. So here we are in the Lenten season. It's a time to think about spiritual disciplines. So I want to challenge you around that. I would just challenge you around, and I don't know, I have no idea what your patterns are. You, you, you may be very disciplined in that regard. Thanks be to God. Just keep going. But I would just challenge you to think about your own pattern and discipline of filling your mind and therefore your heart and life with the word of God. Trust him. Trust him. Test, test him in this, if I can put it that way. <laughs> Take God at his word and see what could happen in your life. Christian Christian, the mind of Christ is your mind. So do not allow this world to tell you who you are. You belong to Christ. Would you stand with me, please? I'd like to just offer a word of prayer over us. And as I pray, I'll just linger a moment and offer you opportunity to respond however the Spirit might be leading you. As Pastor has instructed us, we'll just keep this as a place of prayer and we'll keep our conversation to the foyer. So after I pray, we'll be dismissed. 
And if you'd like to linger, if some of you might like to come and pray at the place of prayer, the altar, please feel free to do that. It's a wonderful way to engage our whole bodies in response. Uh, you just obey whatever the Lord says. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this beautiful gift we've heard about tonight. It's beyond our comprehension, really. But we receive it by faith, Lord, that this is what you want to do for us. And we need it. In a world like ours with so many messages trying to crowd their way into our minds, we need this gift. And help us do what you would call us to do in terms of our daily habits and disciplines. And Lord, give us such a hunger, such a thirst to be up close to you that we will be driven not out of obligation but will be driven out of deep passion and desire to know you more deeply. So Lord Jesus, do your work among us, we pray, as we continue to listen to the voice of your spirit and as we continue, Lord, by your grace to say yes and amen to your will and your way. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. Go in the peace of the Lord.